Bev, do you ever feel like you just need to treat yourself? Yep, and I also feel like I need to treat my chickens. Honey and Rue is the perfect way to treat yourself and your chickens. There's always new items to try out, including things like first aid items, treats, total surprises, and there's always something fun for the human as well. So go to hennyandrue.com and use code DRINKANDFARM to get 10% off your first box. When you're a subscriber, you also get 10% off anything in the Henny and Rue store every single time you order. So sign up today at hennyandrue.com. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and what we've learned so you can feel less alone in this farm thing. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Oh, hey there, listeners. Bev here. Uh, Before we dive into this best of replay, I wanted to give a huge cheers and thank you to this week's drink peep, which is Kayla Wood, and she is at Honey Creek Homestead over on the Instagram. So cheers, lady. All right. In today's best of, we're going to revisit episode number 156, Composting with Worms. And we picked this episode because it was released back in April of 2021. It was right when I had first started my worm composting bin, and I thought that you would appreciate a quick update before actually listening to this episode. So I wanted to let you know that my worm bin has actually survived an entire winter, which is really amazing. And also they are doing fantastic. They eat so many food scraps. They have multiplied tenfold. So the content in this episode can definitely be used to start your own worm farm or worm army, whatever you want to call it. And this is a great time of year to really get started with them. So if it's something that you've been kind of kicking around in your head, I highly recommend it. Also, there is an Instagram reel or video. I think I did it as a video, not a reel of how I built my composting worm bin. So I'll make sure that there is a link to that in the show notes so that you can go check that out and get started if you would like to. So now let's get to how to build a worm army and composting your food scraps and food waste with worms. All right, we get to dive right in to our episode topic today. I'm excited because I know nothing about this and I'm very excited ready to learn if this is something that I want to get into. So I'm going to be probably kind of like the listeners today and just kind of (laughs) listening, (laughs) probably throwing in some bad jokes, but also asking some questions. Uh, But with no uh, further delay, Bev, what are we talking about today? Okay, so before I give everybody the topic, I'm going to give just a tad bit of backstory because this uh, backstory is what uh, inspired this to even happen. So I don't know if anybody remembers this, um, but back in January, we talked on the podcast episode about how Jared had started weighing all of our food waste. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And we talk about that in episode 95, Let's Be Human Together. It was released sometime in mid-January, and we'll put a link to it in the show notes so you guys can find it if you haven't heard that episode yet. But um, I never followed up on that and like told anybody what ended up happening out of that. Um, <laughs> well, we weighed our food until early June, and the total was like 118 pounds. <laughs> oh, wow. That's like a... In a- like a really fit adult human being <laughs> yeah it is it's like a really fit adult human being or maybe like both of my kids combined I there don't know. you go hey there you go yeah <laughs> but yeah it's a lot of food and the reason why we were weighing our food is because we had listened to a podcast episode and we learned that like 10 percent of greenhouse gas emissions are caused by methane that's released from food waste that's not able to break down in the landfill um, because landfills are anaerobic uh, environments which means that they don't have oxygen in them um, and Mm. food needs oxygen to break down. So instead of breaking down properly, it turns into greenhouse gas and it eventually gets released into the atmosphere. No bueno. No bueno. And 40% of all food that's produced is wasted at some point between harvest and the consumer. So like 40% of it is wasted before it even like gets to the grocery store or our tables, which is the part that we don't necessarily have control over. Mm -hmm. And the average family wastes 40% of the food they buy, which is like... Throwing two hundred ish dollars in the trash every month. Oh, that's terrible. See, I feel like I do pretty good in this department, but I do struggle sometimes when I'm buying fresh produce because if I don't time it out just right, like it's really easy to waste so much money. So yeah. that's usually why I just don't buy it. <laughs> Have you seen that meme of the lady pulling um, like lettuce off of a grocery store counter or something? And she's like, do you want to come home and die in the back of my bench with me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I will say um, I will plug Montana, one of our listeners here. She did post about Misfit Market. Oh, yeah. They fixed the problem of ugly food not making it to the supermarket because we Americans are super weird about what our food looks like. Yeah. So, like, it's the ugly fruit and and vegetables. But sometimes most of the stuff, the stuff looks really normal and it's good and it's all organic. But it's just like a weekly or a biweekly situation. And it's like a reasonable amount. So, like, that, I've been wasting way less with that method. So, I'll just throw that out there if you guys need to look into that. If you're, yeah, if you're a fruit veggie killer like I am. (laughs) That's super awesome. I love that. My parents have been doing that, too, and I've been Mm. thinking of signing up. But we're about to have a giant garden out there. So, I was like, "Uh, I'll wait until fall. (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm definitely going to be pausing mine once my garden really takes off this summer. (laughs) So, uh, back to our food waste thing. Yes. We kind of lost our way on the weighing and the measuring of it because 2020. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. think I have to stay anything else. But it was just like it got mentally taxing to kind of do it. And it was just like it was a negative thing that we were tracking. And it was just like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I understand the benefit of it. But like what are we doing about it? Like, that's what we really need to be focusing on now instead of the counting of it, because we already know that it's more than we would like it to be. Yeah, you got a good baseline there. You know, you stuck with it for what, like five months? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, so it wasn't too bad. Um, But we realized, oh, wait, like, so 
one of the things that we can do is so we already compost and we had already built compost bins. And in fact, I'll get to harvest some of that regular compost out this spring, probably in like a couple of months, I'll be able to open it up. But we realized instead of just composting, like in the pile compost, like we have been doing, we could add vermicomposting to our plan to mitigate food waste, which will help us keep more food waste out of the landfills and allows us to feed our garden a little faster than regular composting does, which is like a total win-win. Vermicomposting. That sounds like it's got some creepy crawly things. <laughs> it <laughs> does. There. Like vermin. <laughs> <laughs> so vermicomposting is composting with worms. Wormies. Yes. So uh, shortly after we had uh, stopped counting all of our food waste, we bought all the materials we needed to get started. But then 2020 (laughs) was just still going on. (laughs) I don't know what else to say about that either. (laughs) I mean, it's, yeah, it's tough when you already have so many projects in motion on a farm. And like, around that time, I imagine your garden was probably booming pretty good, too. So, Mm -hmm. everybody, and we're just busy. Even if we're just home all the time and not going anywhere, you find ways to be busy. So, I get it. You know, totally get it. Yeah. So, I finally built our composting bin just a couple of weeks ago. So, I was like, yay! Now I can tell everybody all about how amazing vermicomposting is or composting with worms is. (laughs) Yes! So before we get started, though, I do want to let you know that um, we do have an episode that's all about composting without worms. So if when you get to the end of this episode, you're like, worm composting is just totally not for me, go check that episode out. Um, It's episode 110. Poop is perfect. (laughs) Yes, it is. And we have a few sources for today's episode. Actually, we have a lot of sources for today's episode because all of my um, vermicomposting knowledge has come from a whole team of people, which is pretty cool. One of them was Epic Gardening. Uh, He's where I got the video for how to build the worm bin. Positively Green podcast actually just did an episode mid-March. It's called How to Get Started with Vermicomposting. And they brought up some things that I hadn't thought of. So I was really happy about that. And I'll share some of those things in this episode. But you definitely want to go listen to theirs because uh, Suzette... Uh, Kelsey's new uh, co-host she has a really cool story for how she got started with her vermicomposting so I'm not going to tell her story I'll tell mine but you definitely want to go hear hers and vermicomposting 101 from foodprint.org biological performance did a uh, little article about worm castings And Worm Composting HQ is where I got some really valuable information about using worm bin lachate. Yes, I said that word right. Worm bin lachate. (laughs) (laughs) What is lachate? Oh, don't worry. I will get to what all of that stuff is very shortly because I just (laughs) threw a lot of words out there that we've like never mentioned on the podcast. So there will be links to all of those things in the show notes. So you definitely want to go check them out. Um, They'll be at drinkandfarm.com slash 156. Okay, so we'll start with an explanation of vermicomposting. And like I already said, it's composting with worms. And the basics of it is they eat your food and paper scraps and they poop out worm castings. Hooray, poop. 
<laughs> yeah. And worm castings are the worm's poop. Um, but don't worry, it's not like cow or donkey poop, so it's not like nasty and sticky and like stinky. Um, it looks a lot like topsoil and it smells really earthy. So you're not gonna like feel squeamish or like grossed out handling it, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. And worm castings are really awesome because they have a super rich mix of enzymes and bacteria, and they contain more humus than is usually found in topsoil. And humus is the organic component of soil that's made from decomposed material, if that is a new word as well. (laughs) And you put worm castings straight in the garden to feed your plants. The nutrients include like concentrated nitrates, magnesium, potassium, calcium, phosphorus, manganese, iron, cobalt, nitrogen, zinc, copper, carbon. Those are all things that your plants need um, to grow and be healthy. But it is important to note that worm castings aren't a complete fertilizer. So there are some plants out there where you will need just a little bit more um, than just worm casting. So um, I can't think of any of the specific plants off the top of my head, but I do know that there's some nutrients missing from that. So you'll still want to have some sort of like fertilizing plan, probably like whole compost, you know, like from a compost pile will help make up some of that, or you can get some sort of like liquid organic fertilizer. I'm super into feeding my garden this year. (laughs) And your vermicomposting system will also produce something called worm leachate. And that's the liquid that gathers at the bottom of your bin. And yes, (laughs) it sounds really gross, but because your bin doesn't smell like the leachate doesn't smell either. Um, And in fact, if your leachate smells, it means that there's a problem and you should check it. Uh. But anyways, leachate is not worm tea, although it does get confused with worm tea a lot. Worm tea is made by mixing the worm castings and water and letting it ferment for like a week or so. And worm tea is really great for your plants. But leachate, on the other hand, uh, should be used with caution because it's not actually consumed by your composting worms. So um, like the bad bacteria and stuff doesn't get cleaned by going through your healthy worms guts. So the worm bin leachate can potentially contain like bacteria or toxins that can be harmful to you or burn your plants. So because of the risk of that, it's actually not recommended that you use raw worm bin leachate on edible plants. So uh, one thing you can do with it is you can water it down because you don't want to use it at full potency. You can water it down and like spray it on your lawn or maybe spray it like at the base of flowers or in the dirt, but don't like spray it on the things that you would eat. (laughs) Like you wouldn't want to (laughs) like use it as like a foliar spray basically, I think is what they're trying to say. So you can still use it to feed your plants if you wanted to, but make sure that you water it down. And I would definitely do some more reading, like very specifically on leachate before you use it. Um, Worm bins are kind of wet and they do create a lot of liquid. So it's good to know the difference between worm tea and leachate because they are definitely different. (laughs) (laughs) So now let's talk about how I built my worm bin. And I made mine out of three Rubbermaid Roughneck Totes and a cooler spigot. So it basically costs like 35 bucks, I think, to make. I bought the really good Roughneck Totes and like the slightly bigger ones. Mm -hmm. And like I already said, there's a link in the show notes to the video that I used to build mine. It was from Epic Gardening. 
so basically, the way that the worm bin is set up is the bottom tote only has one hole in it for the cooler spigot. It's installed at the bottom so that you can drain that leachate. Um, and I had to use plumber's putty on mine so that it didn't leak. Um, mm. I bought several different spigots and they leaked. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. But uh, plumber's putty takes care of that or you could try like some plumber's tape. So don't despair. There's totally uh, fixes <laughs> for that. And then uh, the next two bins have holes drilled all over the bottom. Uh, and that's so that your leachate can drain to the bottom tote. And also so that your worms can move between the two bins once you get enough material and enough worms in there built up that you can have, you know, it be multi-tiered. But when you first start out, everything's only going to be in that very top tote. And you drill holes in the lid and along the top ledge of each tote so that your worms can breathe because worms need oxygen, obviously. And uh, the light from these holes helps keep them under the surface of the material that you put inside of your bin. Um, you don't want them crawling out of your bin <laughs> or like being all over the lid. You want them down in the things eating. So you've got to drill those holes so they know to go down because worms will naturally go to where it's dark. You know what's weird, uh, or maybe it's not, I don't know. I've never thought about worms breathing before. Oh, I think that that's fair. <laughs> but, like, when I, when I like, really think about it, like, yeah, they're down in the dirt, but obviously oxygen makes its way down there. But when it rains, like, they all come to the surface and, like, hang out, and they're totally fine. So I guess, like, I guess they do breathe. But how weird. Things you just don't think about. <laughs> <laughs> right and well i mean i don't know if this is exactly why worms come to the surface but they'll drown in water yeah i guess that makes sense <laughs> so if the soil is too saturated i think they might come up to the surface to get air yeah and then that's just a really happy day for my chickens <laughs> yeah <laughs> mine too and my ducks oh my yes. gosh <laughs> savages <laughs> So to get started with your worm bin, um, what you're going to do is um, you're going to add, or here's what I did. I added a mix of shredded paper um, that's been wet down kind of like to the consistency of a wet sponge. Mm. And I put a bit of kitchen scrap food in it and then the worms go in. And uh, pro tip, your worms like the bin to have kind of sat there for a few days and started cooking before you add them. So you want to be sure and um, set your bin up and put all of the items in it a few days before they show up because then they can start kind of eating and getting to town right away. And everything that you put in your worm bin, you want to make sure and cut it into small pieces because your worms will process it faster than if it's like a full giant thing. And uh, the worms that you want to start your bin with are called red wigglers. And I ordered mine from Uncle Jim's Worm Farm. And there will be a link to Uncle Jim's Worm Farm in the show notes. So you can order some from there if you would like. Those worms are also great fishing worms. Fun fact. So if you're a fisherman or a fisherwoman or you like to fish, <laughs> I guess is a better way to say that, then your worm bin can have a couple of uses rather than just composting. Um, and you can totally feed some worms to your chickens and ducks and um, other fowl if you'd like to do that as well. And um, earthworms aren't great candidates for a worm composting system. Um, they're just not the same as these red wigglers are. Um, so you want to make sure that you're starting out with a worm that is 
uh, specifically good for these types of bin systems. So do you consider yourself like a worm connoisseur at this point in your life? (laughs) Uh, I don't know if I would call myself a worm connoisseur yet. Um, I am just starting, but (laughs) you've known me long enough now. You know almost probably verbatim what I said to my husband as soon as we set up the first one. I was like, maybe worm farming is going to be my thing. And I'm going to have like... (laughs) 70 of these things and I'm gonna sell composting worms locally <laughs> and did he just like kind of nod and smile or did he have some comments I, about that I think one? he like heavy breathed and then that was it <laughs> oh my god yeah I can't just I can't just have an idea and leave it like I have to I have to take it all the way through in my brain yeah I mean there are worse things Form, there are worse, like, sectors of farming you could probably try to get into. Um, worm farming is probably one of the more entry-level, easier-access things for you to do. Well, yeah. And one of the reasons why I kind of thought about it is because we do have a couple of local restaurants here. So I thought I could maybe um, take some of their food waste, you know, like ends of lettuce or, like, carrots or, you know, like, things that they probably normally throw in the trash just because they're big and it's easier for them. But if I gave them a trash bin specifically for food waste, maybe I could get them to throw it in it. And then I could help cut some of my little town's food waste. Um, And then the other reason was because I would have preferred to buy worms locally or just get worms from a friend because they're really prolific. Like they totally breed like crazy. So once you start having worms, like you're going to have a gajillion worms. Um, Gosh. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I thought like, since I couldn't find any, maybe I can be that person that starts this and then people can pick up worms locally instead of having to, you know, use the energy required to have them shipped. Cause <laughs> you know, when you're starting to think about, you know, those things that you can do to like have closed loop systems or like more local systems, like that's a good place to start just getting stuff from friends. We've been big fans of Grubly Farms Grubly's before we even started this podcast. If your flock hasn't tried Grubly's yet, they are definitely missing out. Grubly's are a nourishing daily snack that chickens love. Grubly's are protein-packed, calcium-rich grubs that will give your flock the nutrients and minerals they need for healthier feathers and stronger eggshells. Not only are Grubly's healthy for your chickens, ducks, and geese, but they're also great for our planet. Every harvest of grubs is safely and sustainably grown, recycling food waste that would otherwise end up in a landfill. So get more bang for your buck by going with Grubly Farms Grubblies, the official chicken snack of the Drink and Farm podcast. And you can go to grubblyfarms.com and use code DRINKANDFARM25 to get 25% off your first order and Grubblies always ship free. So you were just talking about you know, ends of lettuce and getting food waste from people. Like, so what exactly can go into this worm bin? That is an excellent question because it's really important that you only put things that your worms can actually eat in there. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, you could kill your worms or end up with a really stinky mess. (laughs) So uh, food scraps can go in it, and that includes things like melon rinds, roots, stems, leaves, cores, husks can go in there, seeds, skins, peels, um, all of those things can go in your worm composting bin. 
And you can also put eggshells, but not like the inside of the egg. They don't need oh, that, okay. just the shell. Um, and you want to crush it. In fact, um, so worms use it kind of like chickens do, like as grit. <laughs> oh, no way. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Um, you can also put seaweed. I don't live by the sea, but maybe somebody else does. <laughs> <laughs> and um, rinsed seashells, like oyster shells can go in there as well. You'd want to crush those up also. But shrimp peels or like lobster tails, those do not go in the worm composting bin. You can give those to your chickens. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You can also put some really interesting stuff in there, like um, natural fiber clothing. So if you have like old cotton t-shirts or socks, you can shred those up and throw them in there. Apparently, they'll eat those. Um, Or natural yarn or fiber. So like fiber, so you could put like, the stuff that you brush off of your farm animals in there, you know, like their undercoat or even, you know, like their outer hair is fine too. Or if you're a spinner, like your um, extra fiber from spinning that can go in there. And um, so can yarn, like if you have naturally dyed yarn, so that would be like yarn that's dyed with like plants, but not like acid dyes. That's what they mean by like natural fibers. They can't be like the dyed stuff. You can um, put those in there too. Like if you've had any that have been moth-eaten or have like felted for any reason and just aren't usable for your projects, those can go in there. Uh, Non-glossy paper products. So like cardboard, newspapers, magazine inserts, the tubes from the inside of your paper towels or toilet paper, all of those things can go into that bin and your worms will eat them. And Tea leaves and tea bags can go in there too. Just make sure that you remove the staple. Oh, yeah. And they love coffee and coffee filters. So, like, coffee it up. (laughs) So, are worms, like, your spirit animal then? (laughs) Because Uh, you've been drinking coffee an awful lot on the podcast. Perhaps. (laughs) (laughs) You can also put like dead plants in there, grass clippings, pine needles and leaves. Um, Just make sure that they haven't been sprayed with pesticides because you don't want to accidentally kill your worms because, you know, pesticides have like a half life. So they aren't dangerous per se after a certain time. But if you don't know when they were sprayed, like, you know, you could totally accidentally kill your worm bin. Feathers can go in there and hair. So hair from you, hair from your animals. Yeah. Dryer lint. Uh, can go in there as well. And uh, the only thing really that you need to keep in mind if you put any of those things in, um, like I said earlier, is make sure that they cut up, maybe make sure that they're cut up really small so that your worms can process them easily. So then, okay, so we know what we can put in there now, but what what are some of the things that you should not put in there? So you shouldn't put any citrus in there. So like no limes, lemon, grapefruit, um, or the juice, the rinds or the juice. Don't put any of that stuff in there um, because that'll make the soil too acidic for the worms. You also don't want to put onions or garlic in there um, because a good rule of thumb is that it, if it makes you smell, it'll make your worm bin smell. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no meat, fats, grease, bones, or oils. Uh, so no butter or like stock from soups or anything like that. You also don't want to give them any plastic or plastic-coated paper because they can't digest those things. Um, they are not plastic eaters yet. Maybe someday <laughs> some worms will evolve into plastic eaters. That would be amazing. 
<laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> that would probably be a pretty scary looking worm. Though, uh, it'd probably have teeth. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. You also don't want to give them stickers um, or even vegetable stickers. So make sure that you remove those. And also they, so they can't eat stamps either. So if you, get, if you shred up your junk mm. mail for them, take the stamps off. Uh, they can't eat bread or crackers or cake or anything like that. Um, salt, pepper, or other spices, or milk, dairy, dairy products, or poop of any kind. Like don't don't put your cat or dog feces in the bin. Ugh. Yeah, um, it's not an actual like. So it's a composting system in that the worms eat the items and they compost them, but don't think of it as your compost pile. Got it. Yeah. So they break it down because they eat it. It doesn't break down because the stuff is sitting in there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like your compost pile does. And also don't put any diseased or infested plants in there um, because you might end up with infestations in your bin, which Oof. would be kind of a bummer. I mean, it's already infested with worms. You don't need it infested with anything else. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So uh, caring for your worms is super easy. They're basically like the easiest farm creature ever. There's just like a couple of things you want to keep in mind. Uh, They can eat one half of their body weight every day in food. So you want to make sure that you're not over or under feeding them. Uh, What I'll do is um, actually weigh the worms that I put in there. And that's how you calculate how much food you want to put in there a day until they grow and start multiplying. After that, you're kind of eyeballing it and guessing. Um, But to get started and get your worm bin in the right balance, that's the way that I recommend you get started. Um, Because one thing that you want to keep in mind is that overfeeding your worms could make your bin smell. Because like I said, it's not really designed for actually breaking down the food. That's the worm's job. Um, So everything else can go into your like big compost pile that breaks down because it's a pile. Uh, You also want to make sure that you don't let your worms freeze or cook. So pay attention to their temperature. (laughs) Either way would be super gross. Um, And you want to make sure that you empty the castings and use them when you see that one of the bins is full and mostly broken down. And that's because you don't want your worms to run out of space or be like too far away from the food source. So you can sift out... um, the um, food that your worms haven't composted yet and your worms and put them all back into the bin. Uh, And like I had said earlier, your worms are going to be prolific breeders. So your worm colony is going to start growing fast once they reach (laughs) maturity. (laughs) So you don't have to like be too worried about losing some of them, (laughs) if that makes sense. Because they'll just, yeah, like rabbits, there will be more. Uh, Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And um, you'll want to pay attention to where you store your bin. You don't want to just put it anywhere because uh, you want to keep it somewhere where the temp stays between 40 to 80-ish degrees. That way they don't freeze or cook. Mm. Um, And thanks to Suzette on the Positively Green podcast, I learned that raccoons love worm bins. It's basically like a raccoon smorgasbord. Oh, no. Yeah, as soon as she said that, I fully pictured raccoons just like reaching their grubby little hands in there and like pulling out your food waste and your worms and just like stuffing them into their mouths. Yeah, let's put that on a (laughs) t-shirt. Yeah. (laughs) Quite visual. (laughs) So if you store your worm bin outside, ratchet strap it closed. Like 
that's my solution. Jared was like, I'm pretty sure that bungee straps will work just fine. I was like, no, ratchet strap it. That's the only way. (laughs) Please and thank you. Yeah. I'm a big fan of ratchet straps, though. I use them for, like, everything. (laughs) Your bin shouldn't smell. So it's totally fine to keep it in your basement or your garage or your barn, Um, depending on your climate. Like I said, you have to make sure that it doesn't get too cold. I'm planning on keeping mine on the porch of the barn because it'll have afternoon shade. So that'll keep it from getting too hot in the summertime, I'm hoping. Uh, And then in the winter, I'll bring it inside and put it in the basement. I thought about keeping it in the greenhouse, but sometimes my greenhouse gets up to 100 before I like run out there and open it. So I don't want them to like accidentally cook. So I think the basement is the best place to put it once the temperatures drop below freezing for me anyways. Uh, but wherever you put your worm bin, you want to make sure that it's convenient for you because you want to be sure that you keep feeding your worms, you drain that leachate out, and that you harvest your casting. So don't put it somewhere weird where you'll never go to it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good point because I was curious, like, how often you have to feed them and how often you need to check on them. So that makes sense that you would want it somewhere accessible. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I read a few things that suggested you could feed them every few days if you wanted to. So if you've got like a really long vacation planned, you probably want to have your farm sitter like have some instructions for the worms too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, but otherwise, uh, they should be fine for just a few days as long as you've been putting enough food in there when you get started. Um, And um, one other tip that I got from Suzette on the Positively Green podcast is she also uses shredded paper in her composting bin. And she said, if it's smelling too much or if it feels like it's too wet, like just add more shredded paper to it. And that should help take care of that problem, which um, was really good advice because I had been kind of like, I've started my bin already. So I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this when it gets like weird or funky? Because that's always a possibility. (laughs) Right. So that's it. That's uh, all my stuff on getting started on a worm bin compost. So um, I'll probably have more follow up on it in the future yeah. eventually because it, it's still like a baby worm compost bin. <laughs> so not a lot is happening yet. Uh, and in fact, there's like very little happening yet. And you'll hear more about that in my can't even. But <laughs> yeah, keep us posted on your uh, worm army that you're growing. <laughs> yeah, I like that worm army. <laughs> take over the world yes we hope you enjoyed this best of throwback episode it was definitely one of my favorites because it was one of those ones where we really got to learn how to do something neat and new on your farm or homestead so we hope that you enjoyed it as well And before we sign out today, I wanted to let you know that I am going to follow Sam's example and take a break as well. So for the next few weeks, there will be some best of throwbacks 
And that is going to allow me to really dive into my garden and get that going during the busiest season, which is going to feel really, really fantastic. And it's also going to give me some time to line up some interviews and also schedule some special guests to do some more best of reacts like we did for episode 205. That one was so much fun. So that's it. If you haven't already, be sure that you go check out our Patreon over at patreon.com slash drink and farm. Patreon is an excellent way to support the podcast. And if you join us at the $5 level or above, you actually get access to our straight no chasers, which we have like 50 some odd episodes of those up there. So you can go binge those if you haven't already while you wait for us to come back and release new episodes. So until we chat again, drink, farm, and give zero clucks. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things.